the ways of God. Uh, I just did a little brief study on the ways of God. Here's what I came up with from Moses. Deuteronomy 8, 6, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways. I'm emphasizing that. And to fear him. So the fear of the Lord is not walking in his ways. Don't mix up the fear of the Lord and knowing and walking in the ways of the Lord. From Joshua. Joshua 22, 5 says, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways. From David, 2 Samuel 22, 22, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Now you know that he had some problems, but ultimately in the big picture, that's true. In Psalm 25, 4, he says, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Um, God speaks of Israel in uh, Psalm 95.10, and he says, Forty years long I was grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So that tells me it would be a good idea, and it would please God if you and I would know his ways. Uh, so we also have God does not always make his ways known, however, it's a privilege to know God's ways. Psalm 103, 7 says, He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts under the children of Israel. Psalm 128, 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and walketh in His ways. Proverbs 23, 26, My son, give me thine heart and let mine eyes let thine eyes observe my ways. God's ways are not anywhere close to our ways. So why is it important to observe God, God's ways? Is because your ways are not going to be his ways. And when you learn his ways, then you're going to start obeying and doing things that which are, which is, uh, which are profitable spiritually and pleasing to him because they're the right way, because his way is the right way. But our way is not necessarily, especially naturally. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, people quote it often, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are as high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so... We see that God's ways are something to be known, something can be known, something should be sought after. I think of specifically tonight, I want to center in on Moses, um, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. Moses answered, Moses, you know, Moses was, uh, was uh, most of you, and I've said for the sake of may not know this, but Moses, one of the Two characters in the Old Testament, the best known two characters of the Old Testament would be Abraham and Moses. Moses is the one who God gave the law to. The first five books of the Pentateuch uh, were called the Pentateuch, the five books. Uh, the first five books of our Bible were written by Moses through God. Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights in the very presence of God, didn't have to eat or drink or nothing. It was a miraculous thing. Moses came down and had such a presence with God that his face shone. His face shone. You know, I think I've seen a little of that in my life. 
uh, there was an old man by the name of Brother Barnett. Kathy here tonight? My Brother Barnett. Remember old Brother Barnett? He was 46 years a missionary in China and never took a furlough. See, the missionaries years ago never took furlough. They went over and stayed. That was where they were going to die. That was where they were going to They stayed. And so they had, it was too expensive and too slow to come back by boat. And so they would just stay over there once in a while. But he stayed 46 years in China. He was so long in China that he looked Chinese. He looked Chinese, honestly. He was, he was an Englishman, uh, and he looked Chinese. He was so long in China that he forgot to speak English. Forgot to speak English. And he said, I had to start reading. He read the King James Bible, of course. And he started reading the King James Bible every January. That means he read the whole Bible in 30 days. And he read through the King James, and that refreshed his English back, and he was able to retain his English. Um, when I met him, he was in his 90s. He was staying over as a Christian Missionary Alliance missionary over in Shell Point Village. Originally, Shell Point Village was built for their missionaries. That's what it was built for. It wasn't built fancy, dancy stuff you've got over there now. It was originally purchased and built by the Christian Missionary Alliance to have, they had all of these retiring missionaries and didn't know what to do with them. They were broke. And, and what are you going to do? Where are they going to live? How are they going to retire? So they did a wonderful thing and they bought that land. By the way, what a piece of land they bought. Shell Point Village is a peninsula. And uh, they bought that and, and they started developing these little humble apartments. And the missionary, when they retired from CMA, were allowed to come in, live the rest of their life out uh, in those little apartments. The apartments went back to. Shell Point Village, when they died, that was appropriate. They had, and they began to develop a little medical treatment for them. Now it's going crazy. They got nursing home there. They got all kinds of stuff there. And, and the apartments, they, they're, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a much different place than it was originally. But old, old Brother Barnett was there. I was going to a little hole-in-the-wall church, uh, less than 10, 15 people. My wife and I was down here trying to make some money to go back to Bob Jones. And I got to meet Brother Barnett. We would go and pray. Brother Barnett would come and he'd say, let's pray together. And I was, I was 21, maybe. And uh, he would pray. Uh, folks, I, I mean, I, I'm not much of a, of a signs and wonder guy, but God came. God came in the room. That old boy's face shone, I'm telling you, just like Moses. His face just looked, it, just, it, had, a, it had a look to it that you could tell he had been with God. What a privilege it was for me to know him a few years before he got to go to heaven. Well, when Moses came down, his face showed so much. They, these, these old boys were such, they were so wicked. They said, cover your face, it bothers us. And so he covered his face with a veil. But Moses was really God's man. But Moses wasn't always, he didn't always fit into that scenario that we know him most of the time in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter uh, 3, uh, you know, God appears to him four, appears to him in the burning bush. And he's out in the middle of the desert. He's been in the desert for 40 years. He, he got married, had children, settled down, figured that was the rest of his life, going to be as a shepherd. Now, you understand the irony of the whole thing is Egyptians, uh, 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 shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. So he was raised in all the ways of Egypt. So, you know, pretty much you could say he was an Egyptian by the ways his tastes and everything would have been. And here he is, God makes him what is an abomination to the Egyptian, which was a shepherd. I'm not sure why it was, but I suppose sheep smell real bad when they get wet. What do you think? It's the truth. 
So uh, the fourth chapter there we see he's making, God says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, and you're going to take my people out. And he starts making five excuses. Now, I'm not going over those five excuses tonight. I did a whole other message on that. Other people preached on it. The five excuses of Moses. Moses was not, oh, Lord, I'd love to do your will. Let me go. No. He was like, send, uh, how about send, wait a minute, Aaron, he'd be good. Anybody walk by, but not him. Well, we pick it up here in, in chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. I say Moses had a little negativity problem. And, and the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. Now, it was not a staff. It was a rod. It was a, it was a shepherd's rod. It was what they used to drive off the wolves. They used it to... Pick uh, pull sheep that had fallen in the ditches out, all kinds of good uses for it. It was a protective, um, it was dear, dear unto a shepherd, his rod, very dear. And he, and, and he said, cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground, became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. I believe barrels would have fled too. Barrels, they don't like snakes, do you? Barrels don't like snakes. Moved to Florida, it's a beautiful thing. Snake capital of the world. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the, by the what? You don't grab a snake by the tail. You don't take a lot of education to figure out that you don't grab a snake by the tail because that leaves the head free to come around and nail you. So now understand something in this if you're a young person in the room. Though God is telling Moses to take it by the tail, Bill is telling you, if you see a snake out here, do not grab it by the tail. Okay, don't do it. This was special. There was a reason God was trying to teach him his ways, as I hope we'll pick that up tonight. And he put forth his hand and caught it. Now, I don't think it was easy. I don't think a snake will just let you grab it by the tail. It kind of likes to keep the head between you and it. And he, wor he works around on this snake and grabs the tail. I don't know if he was Brother Barrows. Could you have done that, Brother? No. Okay. Um, you know, he didn't even think about that. He didn't even think about that. He just had. And it became a rod in his hand. It became a rod in his hand. Now, it, so I want to say like Gomer Pyle, surprise, surprise. I remember Gomer Pyle. Yeah, I feel, I feel old. But uh, surprise, surprise. All right. So anyway. They may believe that the Lord thy God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. Moses was not the hero that we know him to be today. Uh, he was raised in, in the course in the wisdom of the Egyptians. It was a miraculous whole thing. God had him saved, uh, become Pharaoh's daughter, but he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. He actually made a decision in his life that he would not inculcate himself into the Egyptian life. He, he did understand that, and he pulled away from that, choosing uh, rather to suffer the affliction uh, with, with the children of Israel rather than to the riches and the pleasure and everything of Egypt. And so God used him, but really he, was, uh, he had lost his family. Uh, he, he originally was going to be some sort of a ruler in Egypt, lost that. Um, he was driven into the wilderness. He became a nobody. It's been said of Moses that he was raised to be a somebody. 
He went to the wilderness to be a nobody, and he came back as a nobody who was a somebody. And so that helped him in God's way of raising him up to be a leader, one of the greatest leaders surely has ever been. Uh, he was rejected by the people of Israel when he shows up. So he shows up, he says, well, God sent me to take you out of, now this is the greatest power in the world. Uh, they, they are slaves to these people. They are building the treasure cities. They're still there today. They're building the treasure cities for Pharaoh, possibly even part of the pyramids. And uh, I don't think uh, Pharaoh's going to be letting these people go. They understand that to be so. And they say, what, you know, no, we're not going to do what you asked. So he does some of these miracles before him. They, they figure out God had done, a, done it, and he was with them. So he, he, uh, he had quite an experience and a walk with God. Um, the ways of God that he calls his serpents, uh, his servants, let me, let me, I'm into the serpent thing, servants. Let's go back in verse 1 of chapter 4 of Exodus, and let me go back down through this and show you a little bit about the ways of God. First of all, God calls his servants. God calls his servants. I believe every one of you is a servant of Jesus. Every one of you born-again Christians in this room or by this uh, Internet or wherever it's going, if you're born again and know Christ your Savior, you are important to God. Let's get that real straight. I'm not, I'm not a positive thinking, uh, you know, a speaker that's trying to just hype you up. But the Bible makes it clear that every one of the saints of God is important to God. Don't you say, I'm a nobody for God. I'm a nobody. God, don't look at me. He, brother, Jesus Christ died for you. He gave himself for you. God loves you. He's given you all the equipment to succeed. And another thing he's given you, just like he called Moses into a ministry, I believe God is calling you into a ministry. I'm convinced after all these years of living and studying the Bible that God calls every one of his saints into a ministry, some place that they can serve the kingdom of God, just like he did uh, Moses. Moses, however, he didn't have any confidence. He had no confidence. He said, they won't believe me when they, when, you know, when you, yeah, I'll go there and tell them you sent me, and they ain't going to believe me. He had somewhat of a negative approach to the whole thing. Uh, actually, he had no confidence in, I mean, no offense meant, but when God, out of the burning bush, has told you to take your shoes off because the ground you're on is holy, and you question him? You question him? I mean, if I'd have done that, my dad, my dad would have had me backhanded before I'd have figured out what happened. My dad would have said, you question you know, my One thing about my dad I loved I hated it at the time, but I love now, was he didn't put up with disrespect. He was your dad, and you better understand it that way, and you better never, ever, ever talk back to that old boy because he, would, he was as fast as lightning with retribution. And here, Moses is before God in the burning bush, and he says, well, how about, how about, how about not? I don't think that's going to work. What? That bothers me about the whole thing. Really, I mean, to be honest with you, I cringe a little bit. But he didn't seem to have confidence in God's power. He actually did not know God's ways. And here's the beautiful statement. God wanted him anyway. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. That we don't have to be perfect for God to use us. A lot of people think, 
oh, so-and-so there, they got a charm life. They did everything just right. They did it. Let me tell you something. If, if You may have started out horrible, but if and, and somewhere along in life where you said yes to Jesus, he can build, out of, take the broken pieces of your life, and he can make that a beautiful piece of art by his grace. You know, a lot of times I get upset with parents when they, they'll have some kids and some of the kids will, will, will leave Jesus or go bad, and, and the people around them, boy, people around them sometimes say, well... If they'd have done this or they'd have done that, the kids would have turned out better. You know, you got to quit doing that. Don't do it. Don't do it. First of all, being a parent is not easy. Secondly, being a parent is absolutely impossible to be perfect. Why? Because you're not perfect. And you make mistakes and you misjudge and you don't follow things just right. And you, to raise a child uh, that has a, that will turn out for God is more about that child choosing Jesus than I think it is about you telling him about Jesus. Man, if you, if you show your, your child the Bible, the greatest book, God's very word, and you show your child the Bible, and you take him to church and say, live for God, what else can you do for that child? They have a whole lot more light than the people that are out there without any church in their town or without any... With a, with a, you ever read Ron Comfort's life story? What in the world? That boy was raised in a bad home. Whoa. Wow. I mean, he had absolutely, he had a bad, bad, bad home. He had a bad mother. I mean, she was, uh, I just can't even tell you. He wrote a book. It's called, uh, There's a Fire in My Bones, and I'm reading it. Again, I've heard his testimony, but I'm reading it again, and I am just stunned at how God pulled old Ron Comfort out of the miry clay and set his feet upon the solid rock. I mean, that boy served God his whole life. Wow. So you may not have confidence in God tonight, and you may have a little negative approach to the things of life, and you may not have confidence that God can cause a victory to happen through you, but God will use you anyway. If you'll, if you'll just say yes, just go, there's hope. You, you don't have to start out strong for God to use you. You don't have to believe everything at the first for God to use you. You don't even have to have much talent. In fact, sometimes the less talent, the better it is. Some of the, some of the some people that I've observed in life that have failed for God are the most talented people. Why? They run on their talent rather than their trust in God. I love to see somebody that doesn't have a whole lot of talent just trust God and watch God do it. That's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Exodus 4.2 says, And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? He said, A rod. Now, I told you before, this was a shepherd's crook, a staff, uh, something that they used to defend, to stabilize, to fend off their enemies, to rescue the sheep. It was a work tool. It was their most prized possession. And what did God tell Moses to do with his most prized, precious possession? Throw it down. Throw it down. Throw it down. I know when I grew up, in my home, I wanted to be in real estate. My mom and dad are in the real estate, both in Michigan and Indiana. They had it all laid out for me. They said, son, we'll let you walk right into this thing, and, and uh, you'll, be able to, you'll be able to be with us on this and be in real estate and sell stuff, and things were going well. And, boy, I had it all figured out. I was going to do that. <clears throat> and God came by. 
And you know what he told me? Same thing he told Moses. Throw it down. Throw it down. I get wait, what, 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 what? Now, you know, you can sit there coldly and say, but, but you think of what you value. God will take the most valuable thing. You know why? God's got to be number one. First of all, he is number one in reality, but as far as your perspective is, he's got to be number one. You've got to realize the truth that he's number one. Without him, there is nothing. And so he says, you know, you're leaning on this. It may be a talent. It may be a possession. It may be a person, but he's going to say, throw it down. That's what he did to Moses. He said, throw it down. Uh, God will use what you trust in and prize to help you serve him because was Moses allowed to keep it? Yeah, he was, but he had to throw it down. Often God's ways are that he'll ask you to give up some of your most precious things. Just once you throw them down, he'll give them back to you. Amen? You know, I raised a, a macaw, a blue and gold macaw. I bought him, and he was a wild from the wild, and he was vicious. They have 900 PSI on their beak, 900 pounds per square inch, and I, I raised him up and, and had to keep him, you know, contained and, and everything. And it was a beautiful day when I was able to take my glove off and my bare skin and be able to put it under that bird and have him get up on my hand, free will. And I liked it the first time he put his beak down on my, on my finger, and I, but it was tender. And that bird never bit me after we had to have a training period, but he never bit me. And, and I could take that bird on my shoulder and walk around outside. And, and he wanted to, he liked me. I mean, that, that's amazing, eh? God's ways are not our ways. So we must let him have whatever it is he's asking for. Let him have it. You say, I wanted to go to a secular school I wanted to do this and get this degree and this and this, but God wants me to be a, some, something else, and God wants me to go another direction, and God wants me to go to a Christian school. Throw it down. Throw it down. Trust him. that he's gonna, He can make something out of nothing. Throw it down. And what happened? At verse 3, chapter 4, he cast it to the ground. And as he cast it on the ground, it became a serpent. Moses fled from before it. I think sometimes God's plan, when he reveals it to us, it repels us. I know when God called me to the ministry, I was a very shy young man, very quiet, very withdrawn, uh, very to myself. Truthfully, I didn't like confrontation. I didn't like people because people meant confrontation. I wanted to be by myself pretty much and, and, and the first time that God began to touch me about uh, being in the ministry, in this part of the ministry at least, speaking publicly, that was as far away as I could. Nothing, you couldn't have said anything to me crazier than that. What? Lord, I can't talk. I feel like Moses, I, 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 I can't talk. And I remember the preacher first time um, at, at Grace Bible Church gave me a so she said, I want, you to, I want you to preach on a Sunday night. And I said, oh, man, I don't know how to do a sermon. I don't know the Bible. I don't know how to preach. I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I can't do it. He said, you do it. You do it. You do it. Man, I was scared. 
I was scared more. I was as scared of that as Brother Barrows is of a rattlesnake. I was scared. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary, you're scared. Maybe he's calling you to be a preacher, you're scared. Maybe a bus driver, you're scared. An Awana leader, house to house visitor, or Sunday school teacher, a school teacher, deacon, a trustee, ladies outreach, and the list could go on and on and on. God wants you to do his work. You say, I'm scared. Quit, quit majoring on what you cannot do and start majoring on what God can do. Is that good? We should do it. God can do it. They say, God, and you make a majority. Well, God, God is the majority, and you can just jump in there with him. Moses, you love that staff, don't you? You enjoy his security, don't you? You like the feel of it, don't you? Moses, throw it down. Throw it down. Verse 4, and the Lord said to Moses, put forth thine hand, take it by the tail. And he put it forth his hand and caught it. It became a rod in his hand. Just as hard as God told Moses to throw that down, he said, just as hard, pick it up. 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 That ministry that God has for you may look like a rattlesnake laying on the ground. And not only does God want you to do it, he wants you to take it by his tail. Glory. Grab it by the tail. Well, if I grab it by the tail, you know that thing's going to whip around and going to eat me for lunch. God says, trust me. You go down there and you say, okay, God wants me to teach Sunday school. I'll do it. But you know I ain't going to do good. I'll, I'll lock up. I've heard so many people come to me and say they couldn't talk to other folks. We go door to door together. Well, you couldn't shut them up. I mean, they just took off. They took off. I was able to stand back and just listen. I thought, well, and then they, when they got done, they said, wow, I never thought I could do that. Of course not. That's because God came. God wants to use you for his glory. He, you need to have, and I, I am confident he's got a ministry for you, or two or three ministries that he wants you to do. But it will look scary. And he's going to say, go ahead and p- pick it up. It seems crazy. It seems dangerous. It seems scary. It seems illogical. Opposite of what you're going to think many times. Why? Our ways are not his ways. That's why. If it made sense, probably wouldn't be God. If, 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 it all, if it all clicked, you'd be like, well, it's, it's probably not God. God loves to do things that we don't think can be done. He loves to let you do stuff. That it's not going to work, but it will work. It will. Our ways are not his ways. No man ever did anything for God his way that amounted to anything. If you do it according to your logic, it'll fail. If you do it according to his logic and his way, it'll succeed. I think William Carey in India, an old cobbler in England, taught him self-taught Greek uh, a language, and, and uh, there's no possible. I'm going to tell you what. William Carey, I wouldn't have chosen him. Adoniram Judson, Burma, no. David Livingston, Africa, no. Hudson Taylor in China, no. George Mueller in England, no. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody slaughtered the King's English so bad that when they translated his sermons, they edited them. 
you, I would challenge you to find a D.L. Moody sermon that hasn't been edited. Those sermons you read at D.L. Moody, that's not D.L. Moody. Uh, he, he, he done, did, ain't, don't, you know, I mean, there was a, man, there was an old Kentucky boy came by here and preached. His name was McKinney of all names. And he came by here and preached, and he said he saw the name McKinney on the sign, thought he had kinfolk here. And Harry said, uh, Harry McKinney said, no, I'm not kin, but you can preach. He came here. I never forgot his sermon. But I, it was a new kind of language. It's just a new kind of language, man. I kind of liked it. I, I liked it. I thought, man, I could talk that way if it'd take me a while. That old boy, that old boy, God came that night. Billy Sunday, old baseball player. Who in the world would have thought, well, Billy Sunday, had a, was, a, was like a pro baseball player, and God came by, and God says, take that baseball and that baseball playing and all that and throw it down. Billy said, okay, Billy threw it down. Now, let me say this. You're not going to be used to God unless you're willing to do that. Billy said, said, okay, I'll throw the baseball down for your ministry, but you know what God had him do? He went to Billy and said, now pick it up. Pick it up, Billy. Use the baseball fame that you have attained for my ministry. And he picked it up by the tail, as it were, and got, every, Billy Sunday, when he preached, he'd, he'd run, he'd slide into, like he was sliding into base and a few things. This is why. They say over one million people made professions of faith under Billy Sunday. Who would have guessed? It wouldn't have been somebody I would have chosen. But that's the way God is. You just got to trust him. Verse 5. Why am I doing all this? That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. The bottom line is people need to see God in it. If you play it safe or play it comfortable or tread the old path or be predictable, very likely you'll miss out on what God has in his demonstration of power through you. You need to pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Father, help us tonight. May the Spirit of the living God come and explain this even better than I could. I think of Moses. Wow. Sometimes we forget that Moses was like this. We forget that Moses was not the ideal servant and the ideal leader until he was willing to trust God and to learn his ways. Father, help us to learn your ways in doing things. And Lord, there may be some in this room tonight that you're calling into something of an area of ministry that they've said, oh, no, I didn't, you know, but Lord God, help them to throw down their doubts, throw down their fears, throw down their misunderstandings, and just trust you and to pick it up by the tail and watch you do a great mighty things which you know now. Lord, we believe in you. We believe that we know what can be so. There could be someone here tonight without Jesus as their personal Savior. If you die tonight, you don't know for sure. You're not 100% sure. You die, you go to heaven. Let me say this. The Bible is so specific about salvation that you can know 100% sure that you have your sins forgiven and that you have eternal life. You can know that. We would love to be able to show you that. If you doubt it, if you're struggling, in an unobtrusively one-to-one in a room in the back, if you'll come forward or make it known to us afterward, We'll be able to just one-to-one help you. We're not a cult. We'll not hurt you. We'll not push ourselves upon you. But we'll gently and kindly and sweetly 
as a mother nourishes her baby, will treat you with sweetness and kindness and show you what it means to be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.